there and welcome along to the JersNet podcast, the totally free Rangers podcast that is made by fans for fans and where the content is always absolutely free. And as we say every week, guys, it's not just the podcast that we have here at JersNet, but please do head over to the website at jersnet.co.uk, where you can also find friendly discussion forum, loads of articles, previews, reviews and the like. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time here on JersNet, then please do give us a like and a subscribe, maybe give us a wee comment, which will help us to grow. We have just tipped over the 4,000 subscribers mark on YouTube, so thank you very, very much for your support. It's it's massively appreciated. Uh, like I say, if you are new to us, we go out live every Sunday at 9.30pm. If you're joining us live, then welcome along. If not, the podcast is available for download every Monday, and that's on Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but if you want to see us with the cameras on, as we are tonight, you can see what we look like as well as what we sound like. Uh, you'll have to head over to YouTube for that. Uh, I think that's most of the bump done. My name is Ross Bennett. I'll be your host this evening. We have two very, very capable guests joining me this afternoon. Uh, first up is your friend and mine, David Wren. David, good evening. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, today's result helps that. But I'm a bit concerned about these cameras now because this lockdown thing, well, it's going to go on a bit longer and... Last year I caught was the middle of December and I'm, I'm fearful about so what, was, they, what these cameras mean for the future. I was going to comment on the hair because it's it's getting a wee bit on. I was thinking you might need Listen, a Ross, edges hairband. I think when it comes to hair, I think you maybe just keep your opinions to yourself. <laughs> you don't want me to come for that, do you? No, no, it's okay, actually. <laughs> it's getting long, but I mean, no, we're fine. We're the young team, so ours is still growing. Um, Actually, possibly no longer a member of the young team, but certainly not struggling in the hair department is our other guest, Stuart Weir. Stuart, how are you this evening? Yeah, good evening. Uh, action man here, as my barber used to call it. Um, <laughs> used to, used to. Um, I had the same guy up until a couple of years ago when he retired. I had the same guy cutting my hair for the best part of 60 years. Um So um, he, he seemed to make a pretty good job of it. And every time I used to go in, he used to grab it and used to, Used to pro it as you go, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't have expected you to have had 60 years worth of haircuts in you. I mean, that why I must have been cutting your hair from, from day one. Uh, quite literally, aye, aye. <laughs> well, this year will be this year will be 62, so um, it's uh, from my, my first my first haircut in Campbell's. Uh, in Hamilton, in Campbell Street in Hamilton, when it used to sit in the the, the sort of uh, the beam that you used to put across the the arms of the the actual chair to bring you up in height. Um, I still I still ask for that, but I don't get it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's a there's a lot of places that you can find Rangers related content, loads of podcasts, loads of radio shows, and that. But you're never going to find anywhere else that will talk about getting your hair cut in Campbell. <laughs> Um, gents, there's there's quite a lot to talk about. Obviously, I think it's the first time in about 18 months that Rangers have only played one game in a calendar week. Um, so we're going to have a, a, a good long session talking about the Aberdeen game this afternoon uh, and then have a little look at the, the COVID situation. Um, as I say, we go out live on a Sunday night. It is currently 9.30 as we're talking. Um, at the moment, there has been some news on the COVID front in the last sort of four or five hours. I'm sure it will develop over the coming days, but we'll, we'll take a wee look at that and see what it might mean for Rangers as well. Um, but the only place to start today is Tawdry. Stuart, you've got your face up on ice at the moment, so we're going to start off with your good self. Um, always a tough place to go for Tawdry, uh, especially you know coming off of an old firm victory. Very important to get uh, a win. And I, I don't know about you, but the, the start of that game, I was a wee bit nervous. I thought we started slowly, and Aberdeen started with a bit of hunger and a bit of tempo, um, and we're, were quite intense. And it wasn't an easy first ten or fifteen minutes. The red card comes along for, for Ryan Hedges in the Aberdeen uh, in the Aberdeen wing back. Did that change the game? There seems to be a wee bit of a narrative that the red card changed the game today, or, or do you think the Rangers were kind of growing into that one? I think the red card came at a time when Rangers were actually starting to up the tempo and up the pace and actually starting to, to, to bully Aberdeen. I thought early on, like yourself, I thought that Rangers started really, really slowly. Morelos himself was a guy who <laughs> almost in, in a, an instant um, summed that up by not really having an effort in goal, not really troubling the goalkeeper. When really, he should have been either pulling out a better save from the goalkeeper or bursting the back of the net. I, I, it looked as if he was a guy who started the game, but neither his mind or his heart is in it. 
Um, however, the the piece of play that um, he was involved in to actually um, earn the penalty was pretty, you know, pretty good. Um, I, I have no doubt it was a, a a penalty. If you look at it in in normal time, for the first time, you think it's a penalty. When you start breaking it down, you could see why some people would go, "Oh, that's a bit soft," and all the rest of it. But it's not. If you look at it at normal normal speed, and then see what Hedges has actually done, Hedges has actually cut across the back of him. To actually get closer or try and put myself in a position where he gets closer to make the challenge and therefore clips Morelis. He also sticks his hand out ever so slightly. I didn't say, I don't think he pulled him. Um, you know, when, I, when you see it, Morelis goes down, you go penalty. It's only when you look at it again, you think, well, that actually did he clip himself? But no, because Hedges has come across the back of him, that, to my mind, is. Is always fraught with danger. You see it all over the pitch. It can happen at any time. I mean, he's come across the back of him. He's clipped one leg onto the other, and down he goes. Stonewall penalty. The referee takes the decision. It was a goal-scoring opportunity and gives him a red card. You know, I, I think you're splitting hairs, really. Um, if, he'd, if he'd only been booked, they would have been crying out for a red card. The fact that he gets a red card, people are then, then immediately spring to his defence. But I thought it was clumsy, ill-conceived, Ill ill-judged and, and a definite penalty. <laughs> Tavernier missing it, I, I put that down in an occupational hazard as a, a penalty taker. If, if, you know, you've seen every every good penalty taker has a miss in him simply because it happens occasionally. Either a goalkeeper will guess you know, go the right way or you miss the target. Today, Tavernier's luck was out. But what it did do, I think, was that I came at a time when Rangers, as I say, were getting into the game. The, the red card assisted Rangers, but I think actually the missing the penalty spurred Rangers on to 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 make sure that listen, we need to still need to be switched on here to win this game. Even though Aberdeen are down to ten men, we need to function, and you know it all came good in the end. What do you think, Stuart, about the way that Tavernier reacted? Because it is the first penalty that he's missed this season. Um, and it, it would have been very easy for his head to go down, but that didn't seem to happen, did it? No, listen, I think the very fact that you you, you are assigned to be the the team's penalty taker, he misses one and everybody says, oh, that's, you know, wouldn't it look like a new penalty taker? Uh, you know, it doesn't happen in rugby when you get the, the, the place kickers who miss, miss you know, conversions and missed penalty goals and the lights doesn't work that way I think the fact that he, he grabs the ball you know and says I'm the penalty taker I'll take this one shows that the guy has the bottle for it and the stomach for it when a lot of people would hide he does it he's missed one and it wasn't as if the goalkeeper had saved it he was his accuracy wasn't what it should have been but the next penalty that Rangers get, and you know, Rangers will get penalties. Um, and I imagine Tavernier already has his name on it, and we'll, we'll take the next one as well. You know, I've seen Alan McCoy miss penalties, I've seen David Cooper miss penalties. It does happen on occasions, and I think he just put it down, it, go, it comes to the territory, yeah, no, absolutely. And he bounced back from it really nicely, it was instrumental in certainly in the opening goal. Um, David, it was a I think considering, as, as Stuart says, the, the miss from Morelos in the first couple of minutes of the game um, and the form that Morelos has shown over the course of the season hasn't been his strongest, it was quite a good relief to see him take what was you know, a, a pretty spectacular finish and, and turn from Morelos. Where does that go? I mean, I'll let you talk us through that goal, but where does that rank in, in terms of his best over the last couple of years for us? That's I think I'm right in saying that's 50 Scottish Premier League goals for Morelos now, so that must be up there as one of the best ones, surely. Um, yeah, it shades of Michael Moles around about it. I thought just the way he took the ball in and quickened the turn and the finish was excellent. I think actually, you know, Stuart says there that first chance, you know, um, showed a real lack of composure in front of the goal. Whereas, you know, sometimes with Morellas, the less time he has to think about things, the better the goals are and the better he deals with situations. And I thought that first one, yeah, excellent. But what I would say is he could make an argument for it not actually being his best goal at Pataudry because he scored one two years ago, which was, I think, actually one goal of the season that year. Um, so, yeah, listen, 
great to see him get on the goal, the score sheet, especially the Stuart says after the miss like that. Um, but he's he's still, I think he's still been his performance levels have still been at a, a high rate, especially since he came back from the suspension. Um, you know, I think he, he obviously got the goal at St Mirren and against Celtic. He wasn't at his best. Obviously, we didn't have a shot on target, but I thought he put himself about. And the thing with Manella is the thing you're always going to get from him is defenders, when they get the team sheet, won't be happy to see him on it because no matter what, you know, um, how Rangers are playing, you know you're going to get battled around from him. Uh, and I think that's something that he gives us that Kamal Roof doesn't. I love Kamal Roof, I really do. I think he's been one of the best signings we've made under Gerard. But, you know, Roof's a bit more... Um, dropping in, linking the play, and he's more of a part of that front three when it's the you know the three strongest players, whatever ones that you you think, and certainly the way we play. Cedric, and I think still coming on to a game a wee bit, but he doesn't quite give you the physicality. He gives you the, the target man, but he doesn't give you the same physicality. And I think that's something that Morellas still you know offers us a great deal of, and I think he showed that today. And he seems to have a knack of scoring against Aberdeen. He likes doing it, and. Yeah, especially Pataudry seems to get plenty of goals there. So yeah, no, it was a, it was a great goal. Um, it was it was a perfect goal for him just to get him, uh, you know, off the mark a wee bit and get get his confidence back. I think. Gerard made a comment after the game, David, that Morelos had done well and that he was playing a bit closer to goal. And a lot of the frustration that we've had with Morelos probably this season mainly is is how deep he seems to come just because he wants to get involved in the game. What do you make of that comment? Do you think that that was a, a something that was deliberately coached into Morelos or just a, a natural instinct? I think he's been dropping deep this season because the system's... Maybe the system hasn't been tweaked, but I think we've become better at playing that system under Gerard. And I think he found himself a bit isolated in terms of, you know, when the team was... You know, look at where the goals were coming from early in the season. It was Tavernier, it was Kent, it was um, even Barisic, Goldson. So I think he was coming deep because it was the only way he was getting involved in the game. Whereas... I see him more as a, as I said, someone that will bash defenders around and also do a lot in the in the eighteen yard box. And both his goals today showed how deadly he is, how deadly he can be for us. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if in the build up to the game, you know, Gerald would have known that Aberdeen were playing three big centre halves. So we needed Morelos in that eighteen that penalty box, waiting for a chance like that because. Although they're big and they win a lot of headers, they're not the most mobile defenders in terms of Ash Taylor and Andy Considine. So to get him in that box and get him when he's back to goal, that's where he's at his best. And I think rather than it being coached into him, I think the instructional have changed because, you know, when we're playing really, really well in that stretch before Christmas, we were playing really well in a system that, you know, Morellas wasn't getting the balls in. He's, you know, he's back to goal the way he, is, the way he did today. And I think it just has to be um, changed accordingly as to who you're playing because we knew it was going to be a physical battle today turned out that way um, we'll obviously come on to some of the other instances in the game in terms of physicality um, but yeah I thought it was good I thought I, I felt like he, he's done well um, throughout the season in terms of just bringing more to his game and if he, two goals today and hopefully that is what he needs to to um, get more on the board and obviously Motherwell next week another physical team so that should play to his um his advantage. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Stuart, the second goal from Morelos was, was actually, you know, relatively similar. Um, again, very nice, intricate build-up, a wonderful little flick on from Ryan Kent, which I think possibly went unnoticed first time, and then you see it at the replay slowed down in different angles. It was a, a really deft little touch. Um, obviously, we're now entering a period whereby it looks like we're going to lose Kumar Ruth for a few weeks. Um, I think he's struggling with a quad injury, apparently. So how important is it for Morelos to find form? We've spoken a lot this year about Rangers having goal-scoring threats from around the pitch. But, you know, with, with Ruth being out and with Itton being kind of slowly blooded into the team, how important is it for Morelos to find some confidence going into this next stretch of games? Yeah, I mean, Morelos has been a fixture, hasn't he, in the Rangers team? But he's a different kind of fixture now. Um, you know, I'm always I'm always quite amused when you, when the likes of Sky or whoever it might be um, put up the Rangers team and then show you the formation as being four three three. I don't really see. I've never actually seen it as, as Rangers playing four three three. I think it's maybe it's maybe sometimes four three, but in front of that it could be four three two one 
or sometimes 4-3-1-2, depending on where, where people actually come into play. And, and the fact that Morelos drops back and picks up the ball and becomes more integrated into the type of play, he's not isolated because he's an out-and-out striker. He does get involved, and he gets involved in such a way that Rangers play. And I don't think anybody have actually... I don't think many people, if anyone, has actually picked up on this. Probably the closest to doing it was actually um, St Mirren, who basically said, this is where Rangers play through down the right. This is how we're going to put a stop to it. But Rangers always have a lot of players playing together, like a, almost like a wall, like a you know, like a big wing right across the pitch, where they, they play from side to side and then go forward. They don't have somebody isolated. And I think because Morelos is coming in and joining in, it makes him more of a team player. The two finishes that he's had, the first one was superb. And I, and, I, and I would say, and this might sound a wee bit daft, but his two shots on target, he knew where he was putting them for a change, or he looked as if he knew where he was putting them. The first one, he knew that if he hit it back across at an angle, back against himself, he knew that the goalkeeper and the defenders were going in a certain way, therefore he probably opened up more of the target to himself. And I thought the, the, the second goal as well, he was quite... He's quite cute and quite clever at how he positioned the shot. So, um, you know, I've, I've always been, you know, wanting to jump on Morelos and I was ready to jump all over him again um, when he when he first, um, uh, the, the first miss that he had. But he came on to a game and he will be important going forward over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's it, it shows the squad depth, obviously. It shows that um, Gerard was right to bring in additional cover up top. So it's it's a such a crucial period as we've all spoken about this January, February period. Um it's 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 not a bad time for him to find his goal scoring form again. Now David, I'm I'm glad that it's worked out that I'm asking you this question because obviously you're Jared Nets resident bruiser. Um <laughs> to me, it's it's hardly uh I mean look he's no he's not exactly a cultured footballer. Um do you think that he's lucky to stay on the pitch today. I mean, not that he stayed on the pitch much longer after that tackle, but um, studs up above knee height and he walks away with a yellow card. What did you make of that incident? Well, before that incident, I'd actually spoken to, I was working today and while I was watching the game, I'd messaged a Aberdeen supporting colleague. Um, I, I can't believe he plays for Aberdeen. I really can't believe it because he was... I'd, uh, listen, I've got nothing against the guy personally, nothing like that, but he's not a football player. He's just, you know, a battering man. And the fact that if, if, if we believe the rumours that um, Aberdeen were in for Eamon Brophy and were outbid by St Mirren and they're paying him the money that could have gone to Brophy, I would, if I was an Aberdeen fan, oh, I'd, be, I'd be asking serious questions because I just don't see what and I know, I know McInnes gets a, you know, he's not a well-liked person on the radio support for, for obvious reasons, but Aberdeen, are, they've always given us a game. They're a, they're a decent side. You can't you can't deny that. Where he fits into that side, he was just as if he was on there to knock our defenders about. Um, and, and it proved to be the case because, you know, it was quite, it was never a, you know, um, it was an easy one to get wrong for John Beat. You know, it was only a high foot, ankle, waist height, you know, um, there was nothing incriminating about no, it. No, no. I mean, it was it was perfectly legal, you know, um, karate kick. But I, I, when I saw it in real time, I thought that could be a red. And I, I, I did think, and I, I think we're refereeing in general, especially without the the benefit of VAR or whatever. Um, I think often there's a psychology, and Stuart, you'll probably know this from covering games over however many years. But there's always a psychology in games, usually when there's fans there. Though, that if you've sent a player off and then something like that happens, you're always really going to give the second player the benefit of the doubt because yeah. you send two players off within... No, no, it's nothing other than just the psychology of refereeing, which I don't envy. That's a tough job, but I think there was, a wee, I think there was maybe a wee bit of that thinking, right, I've just sent one of them off. Um, but he, needs, he also needs help from his linesman because the linesman gets a better view of that. Fourth official as well has got to have a good view of that. Um, and I thought he was lucky. He was lucky to walk away. Uh, in fact, no, that that's that's not true. Barisic was lucky to walk yeah. away, mm-hmm. and Barisic was lucky that he'd 
got his leg in a position that, that didn't put it in serious danger. It was a poor challenge. But I don't think I don't actually think there was a great deal of malice in it really. I think it was just just clumsy, like just trying to desperately get the ball or do something to get his his team back up for that to get a man sent off and he oversteps a mark. I think um I don't think Curtis Main is is a player that should be playing for a team like Aberdeen who are, you know, out with all from probably the best team in the country. Um and I think he proved that today. But I think I think David um not disagreeing with you, but I honestly think maybe you're giving Aberdeen too much credit for the type of team they actually are. No, maybe, maybe. maybe you know, they, they, if you if you look at say the red cards that, that Aberdeen have picked up and some of the challenges that Aberdeen players have been involved in um over the last couple of seasons, they are a, a, a physical side. They don't play they don't they don't play um, dainty little strikers, one-touch strikers. They, they play with guys that are going to go in and batter you if you're a centre-back. And they've got a couple of centre-backs that do the battering as well. I always think the Aberdeen centre-backs is a bit like the old um, guys that used to get just up in the, the outfits and it's a knockout. And, you know, the big giants and they used to run really fast in one direction. But if you ask them to turn a corner, <laughs> it would be a bit more difficult. And 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 I think they're the, I think they're the same and we're exposed for that today. But you know, I I I've I've started to believe more and more that Aberdeen are a, a team that play in a certain manner and I don't think it's down to playing fantastic football. No, I I wouldn't say that either, but I think when you look at Cosgrove who you know, has scored goals in the mm-hmm. top flight. Who is that that striker that you described? There? You know, he's a he's a big guy that gets. He's, he, he's got he's got some record actually. He, he's, he's got a goal every two games. He's a, yeah. he, he, he's a he's a useful article. So that so that's more what I'm meaning in terms of he has proved himself as both, you know, that sort of physical centre forward that can also score goals. Main couldn't score goals for Motherwell. Didn't really do much. I was surprised to see him. That's more what I mean. I think an actually quality of player. You know, in terms of the style of the team, because it was touching goal. It was touching goal whether he signed for Aberdeen or Hearts, and I thought he was going to Hearts. I mean, he lived. He, he, he just lived up. You know, he lived a bit, lived a bit four hundred yards away from me. Um, maybe a bit further, depending on how I feel. But anyway, um, and it looked as if he was going to Hearts. So when he went to Aberdeen again with this sort of criteria that you've set out. I was a bit surprised at that as well because I saw him actually maybe more of a, a sort of a hearts type going back to the days of Sandy Clark, but it was it was uh, a bit of a surprise. But he he, 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 he you know what you're going to get. He, he, you know the, the the phase human battering ram could have been you know could have been invented for for him. He gets stuck in. He's going to give you a, a torrid time of it and. Today he was lucky. He, he was really lucky, as far as I'm concerned. I, I, just what you're saying there about the psychology. If you send a player off, you don't send another one. The only time I can honestly say that I've seen that happen was when Rangers played Hearts about 19, the 96, 97. Hearts had four players sent off, and you had Richard Goff screaming to play the ball into the furthest most corners and don't come near any any Hearts players because if another Hearts player had been sent off the game it would have been you know, null and void and, and Rangers did their best over about 20 minutes or whatever it was 50 minutes to the end just to keep the ball away from Hearts players and I would you know keep we're um we're struggling to to keep the signal up, Stuart. So I think you're right there. Uh, uh, am I back? Are you back? Are you you're moving again? Seems to be alive. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll um I'll I'll kick it over to David. Um, the 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 goal that we conceded today, one of the sort of five or six that we've conceded all season, of course. Um, it came as a wee bit of a surprise. Obviously, we've gone two 0 up and. Um, for, for Matty Kennedy to find himself with quite so much space was was a real shock and was something that we've not really seen this season. What what do you think went wrong there? What what caught us out? Um, well, I must admit, I thought it was uh, I thought it was Tavernier at first, um, and then as Frankie with off air, Frankie pointed out that 
you know, Rebo's sleeping as well. I don't know. I, I felt like I, I found Gerard's comments interesting because he spoke about um, the players taking for granted, you know, the lead and the way we were playing in the game. And I, I, I completely agreed with that because I felt like we were just sleepwalking into that. I felt like the, the game was passing us by in a way, even though we were keeping the ball and, you know, we were comfortable, but it just felt like there wasn't, it felt like we thought we'd won the game. And even, you know, when you score at 51 minutes, you can't be taking a game for granted like that. And that, that was really, really frustrating that, you know, for 60 minutes or whatever, well, 50 minutes, we were really, really good. I thought I thought we'd complete control of the game. And then half time comes, you score another goal and you think, right, let's go and get another couple here because this could be a statement victory, you know, at Pataudry. Man, it just felt like, I mean, it's not the first time, I mentioned this the last time uh, I was on, but I, uh, I, I've been living my life in a stream this season. So on Now TV, I had it today. Uh, so I'd, see, I'd actually seen a tweet in the Rangers account that Matty Kennedy had scored before I'd, I was about 30, 45 seconds behind. So um, I was, do you know, it gave me more of an idea of, but even even knowing he scored, I still couldn't believe that was the goal when he's running through like that with no one within 20 yards of him. Um, so it was frustrating. I think the most frustrating thing about their goal was it then led to just an anxiety-induced last half hour where you were thinking, Jesus. And then they brought on the boy Edmondson at the end. I don't know much about him, but I just thought they were going to batter it up. And then it just it never really came in the end, the, the sort of the real throwing everything at it. Um, so I was pleased about that. But I, th- I actually think our defence, and I thought that's against Celtic and, and the game before that against St Mirren, in terms of defending set pieces and cross balls, I, we have improved massively in, in terms of that. I thought the St Mirren game especially, every time a ball came in the box, it was one of our players that was, was getting ahead to it. Um, and obviously a clean sheet against Celtic, you know, you had we had to defend in our own box a lot in that game as well. So I think the good thing about us at the moment is you know, they said it on the on the radio before the game today as well. You're looking at it, that's six goals we've conceded in the league. So we've got a great defence. But once you get past that defence, you've still got, a, you know, the best goalkeeper in Scotland to beat. So, um, and of course, McGregor made a great save from Hayes as well today. So, you know, it was frustrating. But beyond that, I think the anxiety is all left over probably from last season. Because we're all like, oh, here we go again. Whereas this season, we're just a different team. I've spoken to Colin about this a few times over the past few weeks. Um, we had a different team to what we were last season and, and the season before that. I think we're a, we're a good team. We're a team that can see out victories. We've done it numerous times this season. You know, Kelly away, which was a, a banana skin for us in the past. Saw that out well. 1-0 victory. Hibs at home, which again... If you look back at the last couple of seasons, I believe Boxing Day 2018, we, we dropped points there, one each, at Ibrox. Um, and then at Aberdeen, at Pataudry, that's another one that's been a banana skin. And really, we were comfortable. You know, I can't really remember them having many chances. I don't think they had any chances, if I'm right in saying that, after they scored. So we seem to have a knack for, for seeing out results. And it's really good to see, because for how many years have we been thinking, Jesus, every time, we can see the goal, or we're going to see another one, and that's even under Gerald. So, no, I was pleased. I was pleased in the way I get more actually weirdly get more satisfaction out of those grind and out victories than I do. Um, if it was three or four, three or four, I lose, I lose interest a wee bit towards the end. So I'm like ah, thinking about the next game, but um, it, it keeps uh, keeps the heart heartbeat. Going. I'm not sure I'd use the words grinding out though, because the first 50, 55, 60 minutes were so dominant. And that's the thing, you know, after the game of the day in, in the sort of post-match analysis, they were talking about how oh, Rangers can grind out victories. It never really felt like a grinding... I mean, the old firm last week, that was grinding out a victory for me. That was being up against it. Today was just that. It was a slightly odd, difficult-to-categorise kind of game. Yeah. Was, you know, we almost became the architects of our own downfall, but... but I, th- I think that would back up my point in the sense that you know what we would what would be classed as grinding out two one victory for us last season would have been two one at home to Motherwell mm-hmm. the season before that. At the moment, grinding out, grinding out is a, you're right in terms of the, the use of the phrase there. But I think whatever way you look at that, we might not have been backs against the wall, but we ground it out in a different way. You know, we ground it out by controlling the game from the 60th minute onwards and making sure that 
you know, we weren't going to concede a goal. We weren't going to give them any more chances because that, as if you know, we knew that was a really stupid goal to give away. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree in terms of the grinding out. It's maybe a, the wrong phrase, but certainly we're able to, to see games out or, or control games in a way that we weren't able to um, last year or the year before. Yeah, makes sense. Stuart, um, Gerard said in his post-match comments with, with Sky there that he thought that there was a lack of leadership on the park. And I was surprised to see actually quite how critical he was considering I think that what with us being behind closed doors and you can really hear the, the players like Tav, like Goldson and, and the way that they do lead on the pitch. Were you surprised at how critical he was of, of this group of players? No, not really, because I've said it myself for months. In fact, the entire season and probably going into last season as well. Being a captain or being a guy who cajoles and bullies players on the pitch is one thing. There's also a level, and I think this is where Rangers let themselves down sometimes. At, at 2-0, Rangers are on easy street. The anxiety comes in as soon as they, let, you know, they concede a goal that they shouldn't have conceded. Um, you know, and again, McGregor's save from Hayes is at a crucial point in time. However, you can absolutely squeeze the life out of a game by controlling the ball, controlling the midfield, and you know, you're looking for somebody to step up and take possession at that point in time. You don't need somebody shouting at other people and telling them what to do. You're looking for a presence. And I have said time and time again, I think. I think Rangers really miss a player in midfield who can who can just take and make passes, uh, almost like a quarterback bringing people into play, deciding the tempo that Rangers are going to play at and what areas they're going to play. I do. I, I think there's too many at times where you're looking for that bit of composure, they end up running around as if their hair's on fire. And I don't think you need to put that same level of effort in. You know, there was a period of time after a, a slow, sluggish start, there was a 40-minute a, a window that Rangers were really, really dominant. And you look for that, for me, that you, you want to continue that dominance. And I think that's where maybe Gerard's frustration has come through, but he saw how Rangers controlled the game. And then all of a sudden they're not controlling it. Okay, Aberdeen, Aberdeen maybe didn't make any more chances after they'd scored. But the fact that they'd scored, there was that anxiety level was raised and a mistake. And, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest here, you're also dealing with a referee who is completely whimsical in some of his decision-making, as most referees are in Scotland uh, currently. All you need is him to make one bad call. You two could have a guy sent off or a dodgy penalty, or a dodgy free kick in a dangerous area, and Aberdeen are bang smacking the game. So no, I'm not surprised at what Stephen Gerrard said. And also, it might be a, a rocket up the backside of one or two of them to say, listen, that's great, you've done well, but you need to be playing for 90 minutes. You need to be absolutely on your A game right through that 90 minutes. And there were times yesterday going from the Morelis miss right at the start, right through to the end of the game, where there were there were periods of time where you actually said to yourself, "These guys need these guys need to get their game head switched back on again." Yeah, I think you're right. There were definitely times when concentration, if nothing else, concentration seemed to dip. Um, what I would say is, I would not like to be Joe Arrivo or James Tavernier fessing that up to Alan McGregor after the game, explaining why he's not getting a clean sheet bonus because that would have been, been brutal. I think. <laughs> I actually think, Ross, that um, just just alluding to what Stuart said there, I think we could do another centre midfielder. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit concerned by, I think we've got, which sounds ridiculous because I remember when Zungu signed on deadline day, we were all thinking another centre mid. See, now when you look at it, there's no one on the bench really that can. So, so look at today, where Hadji and Aribo start with Davis and Kamara. Then you're looking at Zungu, who you know, has been the one that's come on and helped to see out games. I think we need, you know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not saying him, but someone like Lewis Ferguson or Alan Campbell at Motherwell, who know the league, are, are good operators in the league and can, can come on in games or start games. I think I, I really like Alan Campbell at Motherwell and I've liked him kind of since the start. I, I saw him play a few times his first season. I think he's a player who would fit in quite well. He's a nice footballer, maybe fit in quite well 
well to our midfield. But I think now the window's open. You know, we just we, we are feel going to be out. You know what looks like six, six weeks potentially, mm. and Jack, you know, only just coming back. I, I still feel we're a wee bit short because Aribo and Hadji as well don't offer you um, perhaps the same protection that Arfield and, and Jack do. So I don't know if we'll go in the, the market this month, but I think if we were going in, that that would be a position for me that that we're a wee bit short in. I think I think the Rangers squad are very it's a very good squad now, but you're looking at a whole bunch of guys that are very specific in the wee places, the wee bits of the yeah. pitch that they play in. You know, you look at say for instance Roof, you know the, the the area of the pitch that he's going to play in, you know where Morelis is going to play, you know where um like Kent is going to pick up the ball. You're almost looking for somebody who's a really broad brush in the midfield who can who can turn up and pop up in different places. I mean, Stephen Jenner would dearly love somebody in his image. It's not going to happen. But that is that is really the type of player that Rangers need. Somebody who can, who is not frightened to take the ball, who can dictate, and also can cover uh, you know every blade of grass in that area. And and I don't think they've got that 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 guy in the squad. But was that not supposed to be Zungu? That's surely that's why we brought that guy in. I don't I don't think Zungu, from what I've seen. Um, you know, when he started against Mirren, it was a bit of a disaster. Mm-hmm. Not for him. He wasn't a disaster. But the performance was, and I think that was largely down to the lack of balance in midfield. As I said, I think it was you and I that were on Ross. Um, severe lack of balance in midfield that night. And I think, I, I can't really work him out. I don't think he is that kind of player. I think he's he's a sitting midfielder. And um, I'm not sure. I would like to see him play in Europe, potentially. I think he would offer us a bit of protection against the better sides in Europe. Um, I don't know, though, because he's not played in, in the Europa League, so it's, it's difficult to say on him. Uh, but I don't see him being that guy, you know, especially the guy Stuart's mentioned. You know, I think we're probably looking... Um, you, you would have to look out, out with the club and, and try and bring someone in of that ilk, because I think when you lose Arfield, especially, he's about the only one in that three um, that offers you pretty much everything that you would want, you know, in, in a centre midfield three. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I still think, I think we're a wee bit short and I think it wouldn't be a bad thing to to look um, at bringing someone in this month. And also great player as he is, Steve Davis is actually dropping further and, and further back. There are, there are times where he's actually almost like appearing between the two centre backs to, to take the ball but he's, he's taking the ball in a position that he's so deep that he actually brings the opposition onto him. Therefore, he's he's quite literally making um, passes to the left and to the right. He's, he's not actually going through the middle as he, you know, he once was. He's not getting any younger. But I, th- I think basically we're, the, the, we're seeing a different Steve Davis these days. Still very, very capable. But ultimately, a guy who's dropping further and further back and... And, and again, is playing in a very, a very limited way in a very limited area of the pitch. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, you're probably pining for the days of Paul Gascoigne, but <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, I, I, and listen, I, I mean, I I like the best midfield player I, I I I saw in the last twenty or thirty years was a guy who who ripped Rangers asunder in two matches was uh, Gates Comendieta playing for Valencia. I mean, it was an absolute masterclass if you watch what he did over over those two games. But you're 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 in a completely different world. This, this is the this is a this is the you know I'm suddenly sounding like a guy who phones in certain radio stations and saying I think we should just go for Delhi Alley because he's not doing anything without actually realizing that Delhi Alley probably is on the same money as about seven players. So but you're you're looking for somebody of that presence. And again, I think this is a test. This window is a test of the Rangers bank balance, but also a test of the, 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 the scouting network and the talent spot. Rangers have got it pretty much bang on, I would say. But I think this is the to, to push them over the line this season. This is the, the next maybe signing or couple of signings are going to be really, really crucial. Yeah, I think uh, obviously that's all caveated, as you say, with the Rangers bank balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I think Gerard has been quite clear that 
there won't be anyone coming in unless it's someone really exceptional who's actually going to add to the squad because we've at times been guilty of bringing folk in who don't necessarily improve on what we've got but um, I agree I think that that position is particularly missing Jack missing Scott Arfield does pose a wee bit of concern just as a, a last word Stuart on the on the game today um, obviously every every league game it's just three points and, and that's all it is at the end of the day but how important do you think it is to follow up an old firm victory, particularly when we go somewhere as difficult as Pataudry? How important and how impressive is it to follow that up with another victory and consolidate that lead? It's it's a statement, isn't it? It's it's a statement of the the intentions of Rangers, but it's also a, a, a statement, I would say, the of the intentions of the squad. It's dead easy to get yourself up for an old firm game. It's dead easy to get yourself up to play Celtic. It's what you do after that. It's you know, it's it's great having a hurrah and a big party for beating Celtic. You've then got to dust yourself down and go on to the next one. And um, listen, I, I've seen better Rangers teams than this one actually getting big, big results and and then falling on their face. You know, I I, I remember you know um, again back you know, many years ago now. I remember Rangers beating Leeds United um, at Ellen Road and Harry Harris of the Mirror, who knew Richard Goff pretty well, saying to him, you know, what a fantastic victory that was. Um, you know, that's you, you know, Kings of Britain. Um, you know, you know, it's great we have achieved. And Goffy stopped him in his tracks and said, wait a minute, we're playing Celtic on Saturday. If we don't beat Celtic on Saturday, they'll be champions of Britain. And it, it was almost that mindset that we've done it once, we now need to go go and do it again. And I think I think there's a real steeliness to this Rangers Rangers team that they actually do um they do go out and they do seek to win matches. That they, 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 they sometimes look like you know you, you've used the, the, the term before, they look like banana skins. And and maybe maybe we're judging Rangers currently on what has gone on in the past when they have dropped points, unnecessary points, um all the way, you know, all the way along the line. And I, and I think they're actually producing performances now worthy of a team that, that are probably, you know, title favourites. Oh, yeah, I think definitely title favourites. I mean, heavily, heavily odds on now, but it's uh, it, it's kind of impossible, as we'll come on to, to talk about in just a moment, it's impossible to predict how, if and how this season's going to end. Um, gents, I think that probably wraps up. We've done a good 45 minutes there talking about Rangers versus Aberdeen today, which is obviously a, a, a massive victory for us. Um, I'll just take a quick moment to uh, discuss one of the supporters that we have here at Jersnet, um, which is www.rangerspicks.com, uh, who we're very, very pleased to be working with. Um, this is the new official Rangers Pick'em game, Rangers Picks, which is available for, for every Rangers match. Um, we're actually just discussing off-air that you know myself and Frankie and a few others of us here at Jersnet have got involved in this, and that all you have to do, log in, dead quick and easy to sign up. Um, answer or make some predictions about the Rangers game as they'll ask you some questions like do you think Tab will score do you think Kent will get an assist how many tackles will Goldson make just choose your answer uh, and if you get more questions right than anyone else ultimately you can win some money there's a chap today on the Aberdeen game won £500 completely free to enter dead easy um, the more fans that play the more money the club gets um, so it's revenue upside for the club really good news uh, it is technically gambling so Please do make sure that you're over 18. Terms and conditions apply and please do gamble responsibly. Uh, so moving on from that, David, um, obviously we are a Rangers podcast. We are here to talk about Rangers, but we will talk about important news that could affect Rangers from Scottish football and politics and things that, that happen in that sphere. Um, we don't like discussing Celtic on this show because it's not a Celtic show, but we have got one, at the moment, one confirmed uh, positive case of covid um, following Celtic's return from Dubai this week. First things first, what's your kind of initial reaction to the news that they've, they've got a positive test? Uh, it's not good news for anyone. Um, but it's been a strange week. Uh, it really has. Because I think the, the pictures from Dubai came out just before we went on air last Sunday. And I think everyone was, was trying to work out if they were actually new or not. Uh, turned out they were, they were accurate. The First Minister's even seen them, I believe. Um, but it does reflect well. And I think the thing that concerns me is that, I'm not really concerned about them, but concerned about the, the picture it paints of Scottish football and football in general. And I think we're in a bit of a, 
truly big. Not not in terms of the the way clubs have, you know, um, dealt with this pandemic. I think, especially in the past few months, uh, you know, the vast majority of clubs have have followed the rules well and and you know stringently. And I think you know it's been a. I think I think most of the clubs should be pretty proud of how they've um, they've coped with this. And obviously, some have had setbacks. You know, this is this virus isn't limited to, you know, you're in a bubble at a football club, you won't get it. I mean, you can get it in any way. And I think, you know, when St. Mirren and Kilmarnock were penalised the way they were, it just didn't seem right, especially after given what happened earlier in the season. And quite rightly, it was overturned. Uh, this, you know, I'm, I'm really, I hope whoever it is that, that's contracted the virus, you know, gets well and, and isn't, you know, feeling... Uh, the, the full effects of it. I hope it's a, a speedy recovery. But that that full trip, you know, for some Celtics PR, um, in contrast to ours over the past five or six years, has been unbelievable. You know, in terms of the way they're able to control the narrative compared to the way we've been able to control the narrative. But I think over the last week, you've seen that rules reverse a wee bit there. So this full trip to me was whoever's advised them to continue with that and just go crazy stuff really really mad and I think no matter what what people are saying about the rules that were, were potentially were potentially being broken or could be broken by that trip that just shouldn't it shouldn't have got to that stage and no matter what happened over there you know John Kennedy was press conference yesterday or the day before um, saying that minor slip ups or something like that I think that's by the by in terms of the protocols that they were breaking. I think just the lack of self-awareness over that trip, considering we'd all just gone, we'd all just gone back into lockdown um, in Scotland. And, and, and some people, there's people in this, you know, I, I still work in the media and, you know, the news side of the media. And there's people in, in cities and towns all over Scotland that can't afford to put their heat on, can't afford to, to buy food for their kids, can't afford... The basics in life due to this pandemic, losing their jobs, whatever it may be. And I just think to go on a trip to Dubai and be in the company of some of these influencers and Love Island contestants, you know, whoever advised them on that and advised them to go worrying. Um, the fact that this has now happened and, you know, there's been a positive case is not good for the club, for any of their family, whoever it is. Um, and obviously, you know, while we're on air, the, the travel restrictions in terms of Dubai have now been changed by the Scottish government. Anyone that, um, and anyone who comes back has to isolate for ten days, uh, and anyone who came back after um, January the third has to isolate for ten days. But I believe, and I'm, I'm I've been kind of trolling Twitter, uh, not while you were talking, Stuart. I was listening to every word you said, uh, but I've been sort of trolling through Twitter trying to get a bit of clarity on it. I can't see anything that actually confirms that teams, uh, elite teams are exempt, but led to believe that is the case. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a really, sh- you know, shady um, few days for, for them. But what I would say, in terms of our PR, uh, we've been very quiet, dignified. Um, and then our manager and players turn up with my son for their interviews, which I thought was just Absolute genius, really. Um, and whoever whoever advised them on that told them to do that. That's that's a that's a that's the way to set an example. And I, I thought that was that did raise a smile. I thought it was very very good, very good PR actually, because it's been something we've been guilty of in the past few years is poor PR and poor handling of situations. So, yeah, listen, it doesn't affect us greatly. The time will affect us is when the the questions start coming up about. Uh, curtailing seasons and, and halting seasons hopefully doesn't come to that because I think football as I said at the, at the start of my long spiel um, football has I've been trying to do my Tesco ward or online uh, uh, you know, so I just uh, <laughs> I've been listening uh, to every word <laughs> uh, but football's, um, football's acted brilliantly I think in terms of the overall Scottish football and the way that they've tried to follow the protocols because it can't have been easy and I've not had a, a COVID test, but anyone that I've, I've had that, that I've heard that have had it, you know, I think it's a very enjoyable experience. So I think um, 
I, I, for me, I know we'll come on to this, but for me, any talk of... Stuart's already said it in another point, but null and void uh, would be madness. I think anyone that's bringing that up or, or trying to suggest that needs to needs to have a long, hard look at themselves. The thing is, it is. By the way, I've had I've had COVID tests, and it is it is grim. You know, mm-hmm. despite what people on the internet are saying about me, I I, I don't like being invaded in that way. So. Um, it's you know, trying to avoid that. There are there are other ways. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely happy with the other ways. Um, Stuart, do you worry about this? I mean, no matter what David says, there are people already clamouring for null and void, um, and it's it's very messy and it's all a bit up in the air as to what's going to happen. And we sort of said at the start of the season, if we get through a full season of football, it'll be a miracle. And actually, Rangers have done. I think a lot of it because of the, the caution that Rangers have taken, but also probably a bit of luck that other clubs may not have had. Rangers have done well to get out of this, but I think just Hollander, um, you know, testing positive and having to isolate for a, a wee period. But it is, you know, it's looking more and more uncertain as, as that graph of COVID cases keeps going upwards. Um, do you worry about the threat of yeah. uh, voids derailing what is an incredibly successful time for us? Yeah, I do, um, for a number of reasons. And people will say, well, that's you, you know, typical sceptic and uh, you know, typical of you to, to raise concerns that are not actually there. But if you, look at, if you look at the overall picture, and I'll go back to Celtic situation, I, I, don't, think, I don't think they read the room. I think they, they have a, you know, uh, as I said in talk sport, it's a bit like Neville Chamberlain returning from... You know, Berlin with a, I have in my hand a piece of paper. Well, that bit of paper was okay two weeks ago. But since then, the world has changed again. There are different rules and regulations in place, not only in Scotland, but across the rest of the UK and abroad as well. Now, the, the, the whole thing about players and squads being in bubbles is an absolute fallacy because the guys still, okay, they might be tested, but they still go home to, to scabby wains that are running about when picking up everything at school from nits to you know botulism and lassa fever. It COVID is out there and it can happen to anybody at any time if you let your guard drop. I don't think you help the situation if you travel four and a half thousand miles to Dubai. I think you just basically bring the spotlight directly onto you and therefore onto football. You have a first minister who is who sounds uh, as if she's playing a guessing game in this one and she is oh i'm, I'm surprised that um that this has happened it's up to the sfa the sfa shrugged her shoulders now does she take exception to that and say well the next time anything like that happens i will show football the red card that is, that's what what i'm fearful of that on a, almost on a whim a bit like a, an SPFL referee, she will suddenly come up with a decision or have somebody tugging at her sleeve saying, this would be good if we did this, just to, just to set an example. And you, you know, if you cannot guess or second guess what's going to happen with COVID, you certainly cannot second guess what is going to happen with politicians and people in authority because it is a big guessing game just now. And, and I, would, I would really hate Rangers to be put in a position whereby through... You know, you could say through uh, no fault of their own, but they've got two players serving seven match suspensions for what what they did. Therefore, it only goes to show that you know some some villages out there are desperate for idiots. You know, it's Rangers have been penalised in that manner as opposed to having players going down with the with, with the, the the disease. And I just think you almost have to keep your noses very very clean, and you know wipe their backside at all times on this one. You know, don't 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 entice anything onto you that people can make a meal of. Uh, and I, I know some people might accuse me of that, but really I, I'm I'm being overly cautious here simply because one, you don't know what's around the corner. And secondly, you certainly don't when it comes to decision makers or people in on high. I mean Celtic were in Dubai all of a sudden, the Scottish government are coming in and say, "Aye, by the way, Dubai's off off the, the the menu. You can't go to Dubai, and these are the these are the guidelines that we're now putting in in place." It's almost like it's almost like you know closing the stable door after the the the, the horse has been away playing in the beach. It's it's 
a situation that is constantly being monitored. And I think that if you keep your own house in order, it, it, it strengthens your hand come the time where, as, as David rightly says, you may have a narrative to put out there, you may have a hand to play out there that, that is keeping, you know, keeping the agenda going in a certain direction and not being sidetracked in any way, shape or form with this null and void. Yeah, I believe that when I see it. If you can extend if you can extend a season, like last season, to where you've actually a Scottish Cup final taking place just before Christmas, you can extend a season you know, as, as long as you want and so wish. And I'm, I'm really glad actually the SPFL and the SFA actually did that last season because they've actually set the guidelines for going forward. Yeah, exactly. There's there's your precedent, right? Surely there's your precedent already being set that either you extend the season next year because you found that with the Scottish Cup or you, you curtail the season and you declare the, the, the team in first champions because the wee teams all need the money and you can't get the money unless you go to end the season and, and, and you know put a ribbon on it. So Which they weren't paid. Which they weren't paid. No. See, just, see just on that, Ross, as well. I think the... the was the points gap not thirteen points when it was high? Yeah. Well, there you go. You know, we're twenty-two points ahead. Um, with, with games in hand, and we had games in hand last season. Listen, I, I don't think it will come to that. I think we'll. I can't see them rushing to to curtail the season. I think when you look at um, this team, you know, sort of March last year, we didn't know. What the virus was, didn't know how to combat it, didn't know how fast like, how fast it spread, didn't really know anything about it. Now we we have mass testing among fo- elite football. Um, we have vaccines on the way. So I, I, as I said to you, I think you asked this a few weeks ago. I'd, I would be again, I would be surprised if if, if it came to you know um, any sort of looking to curtail the season, but. Uh, the thing that I'm, I'm actually intrigued about it doesn't really, in terms of the context, doesn't doesn't massively um, matter to us. Well, it does in some ways, but obviously we've been we've been drawn against Cove Rangers in the Scottish Cup. How does that work? They just come to our place, you know, without any testing, or are they tested as part of the? These are the wee things that that concern me slightly, because you know, and it's no fault of their own, by the way. You know, it's no fault of Cove Rangers, but. If they, if if we are now mixing teams who haven't tested with teams that have, um, I don't. How does that work? I know I'm asking you as if you know, Ross. I, I can tell you your face. You don't. If I if I were Rangers, if I were Rangers, I would be using the same uh, model as certain clubs in England did. That basically we'll pay for your testing before you arrive, because because to be honest, the, there is more riding on the next three or four months for Rangers than there is for Cove Rangers and the health of their players. So just get them tested. Pay for the tests. It'll, be, it'll cost you a few quid, but you'll gain that back in television money if you get into the next round of the Scottish Cup anyway. So it'll pay for itself. Just do it. Keep yourself safe. Keep the Cove Rangers players safe and make it look as if you're actually doing something for the community as well. But ultimately safeguard against you catching anything or picking anything up or, or losing players further down the line. The only problem I have with that is it looks like we're doing something nice for Paul Hartley. <laughs> we'll survive. Um, gents, we've just, <laughs> we've, we've just tipped over the hour. Um, the, the only other thing I have to say is, is just to mention our other uh, sponsor that we have at the moment at Jesmet, which is uh, Football Prizes. I won't go into too much detail, but if you just head over to the, uh, the Jesmet Twitter page, which uh, is obviously uh, Frankie's Twitter page, he will tweet at the link. And there's only 30 tickets left for the uh, Stephen Gerrard framed print uh, backlit with LEDs. It's, you know, it, it does look genuinely fantastic. And if you go to Frankie's social media, there's the link to join up there and you will get offered uh, a free chance to win alongside any tickets that you buy. There's only 30 tickets left. I think it's 5 99 a ticket. Uh, and the prize does look excellent. Um, the other, you know, that's that's kind of us ticked over to the to the end of the show. So obviously, I'll say a massive thank you to, to both David and to Stuart for joining us. Um, w- with all of the COVID news, obviously, we're trying to keep up as quickly as we can. We're all sort of scanning Twitter and seeing what's going on. We know there's loads of rumours about who it is and the isolations that they might have to do. We're, we're trying not to jump the gun too much on that, but um, 
hopefully what we said isn't too badly out of date in the next couple of hours anyway. Um, so thanks to David and Stuart for, for joining us and trying to keep on top of all of that with me. The show will be back, of course, regardless of uh, of what happens in Celtic's game tomorrow. The show will be back next Sunday uh, for another wee look at how we've done against Motherwell. Um, as I said at the top of the show, please do head over to the website at www.jersnet.co.uk for all of the discussion forums, the match reviews, the previews and the, uh, the excellent content over there. All that's left to say really is stay safe, everyone. COVID is still out there, as we say, so please do stay safe and look after each other. Thank you very much for joining and bye for now.